We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Here's a here's one from Paulie G. His question is: I feel Chris Tyree is so, is going to have a breakout year because he's working with the receivers and running backs. Do you agree with this? Chris Tyree will have a breakout year the minute the head fo- the football coaches at Notre Dame realize how what he can bring to the table and allow him to have a breakout year. That's yeah, and, and and accentuate the strengths. He's yeah. got to stay healthy, right? But last year, with a few few exceptions, a few exceptions. The coaching staff just said, here's what we're doing, and you got to fit into it. Yep. And he it's not who he is. Cal game, North Carolina game, Clemson game, South Carolina to a degree. They said, okay, we're going to do what you do. We're going to let you do what you do. And he did well. He made plays. And and in the South Carolina game, his numbers weren't good, but they were we said this before. He was so they were so afraid of Chris Tyree. He was impactful. And every time he went into motion, they did something to react to it that Notre Dame took advantage of. And so he was still impactful, even though his numbers weren't there. It's like a great basketball player that just constantly draws double teams. So he finishes with like 12 points, but he had like 13 assists because he just kept, you know, dishing it out to the shooters and they're knocking down wide open jump shots because they're so afraid of him. He may have gone like, you know, five of 15 and hit a couple of free throws and doesn't look like a normal great night. Didn't get to his 25 points per game, but he impacted the game in a big way because he draw, drew so much attention that he then opened up opportunities for everybody else. And that's kind of what Chris did in the bowl game. If they start using him consistently where he's getting the ball, then what do teams do? Now exactly. what do you do? You know, um, and it, it, yes, I believe it's possible, Paulie. It's just whether or not he can – He's and now he's got to stay healthy. Chris got banged up a couple times the last couple of years. That, that's that's a fact. But if, as long as he's healthy, it's about use him. Use him. We never said once last year Chris Tyree needs to be the lead back. What we said was, however, Chris Tyree needs to play and be used the right way and get touches in a lot of different ways. That's what we said. Yep. And they didn't do that. And it was a mistake, in my opinion. Yep. But they have a chance to make up for it. They do. So we'll see. That's potentially two more years of that if, if, he's, if he's happy and he wants yeah. to stay. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate 
isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Question from Andre Tonsil says, question for Brian. Who is the best player we don't know yet? Who's the well? It depends. Uh, see, I, here's my hope, Andre. My hope is that I can't find an answer because we've done such a job of in, of of creating the type of community here, or we've had the type of people that join this community that you know the team, you know the roster, you know what who the guys are. So if I were to say to you, guy that you don't know of, and I was to, na- to name like you know, Ty Chan at guard or Jason Onye at D tackle. You'd Andre, you'd be like, no, I know that dude. Who else? Uh, Chance Sucker corner. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm, I know him. Who? Uh, I, I got nothing for you, man. Like a walk on freshman that no one's ever heard of because you already know this team. So let me take a look at it from a different angle. Let me look at it from this angle, Ryan. There's a couple guys that I think the college football world doesn't really know about yet. And they yeah. will this season. Xavier Watts is one for me on defense. Um, I think he's a guy. I'm really got my eye on Jason Onye as, as being a guy that if he can crack that too deep and force his way into the too deep could really help solidify some things inside with Gabriel Rubio, who's who's really filling out like he's a legit 300-plus pound guy now. On, on offense, I think Chris Tyree is a good answer, but I feel like he's kind of already a known commodity with people. But Billy Shrouth is a guy for me, and the tight ends. I, I don't. I, I mean, look, ESPN wrote a uh, uh, replacing Michael Mayer article, and they didn't even talk about Mitchell Evans. They they talked more about Jaden Greathouse and Preston Zinter than Mitchell Evans. I think that's going to change this season. I think everybody's going to know who Mitchell Evans is and Holden Stace. They're going to know both yeah. of those guys. But Holden Stace was at least kind of a highly ranked recruit. He was a top two hundred guy. The, everybody's going to know who Mitchell Evans is. And we don't talk a lot about Mitchell Evans, but we're going to know who Mitchell Evans is by the end of the season. The whole college football world is going to know, like, oh, Notre Dame's got another good one coming down the pike. Matter of fact, they got a couple good ones coming down the pike. You know what yeah. I mean? So, uh, yeah, that um, those would be ones for me that I would look at. I would, Ryan, any any that pop in in your mind 
Yeah, I have a couple. I'm sorry that 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 question you just highlighted. I yeah, just I'm can't gonna, believe that that's gonna, a take. I can't wait to get to that one. I can't believe that's a yeah, take. Yeah, we'll, we'll um, get to that one. We'll get to that one. Yeah, Jordan Vitello is one on defense for me. That's a guy. Uh, I think that with the with Fosky out of the room and with him yeah. assuming a potential starter role, I think that he has a chance to put up some nice statistics and really yeah. get onto that radar. So cool. he's one for sure. Offensively. I mean, Mitchell Evans is a great one. The tight end position was honestly the first one that was on the forefront of my mind. I think Billy Strauss is a good answer as well. Everybody else is kind of a known commodity. Like, you know the two running backs. You know who Sam Hartman is, obviously. You know, maybe from a national media perspective, maybe Deion Colsey's a guy that might be fit into that conversation. You know, or what you say? Sorry. Nationally, how about Cam? Cam. Wait, which Cam? Hart. Cam Hart? Ah. Is there another Cam on the team now? Yeah, I, I, that's why I was confused because I, I was talking about offense. So that's why oh, I was you. a little like, oh, no. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, I know, Cam Hart. Names, I know NFL scouts know about Cam, but do you think people yeah. at ESPN have spent a lot of time talking about Cam Hart? Probably You never hear him talk about during broadcasts. That's true. I bet you that changes if he stays healthy this season. Yeah, Cam, Cam Hart's a good one. I think you hit Xavier Watts. That's another good one. Defensively, I think there's a lot more easy ones, Brian, because I think offensively, like, you know a lot of those guys, right? Like Cam Hart. And they were the most more highly ranked recruits, Ryan. That's the thing. It's like yeah. Lorenzo Stouts was a top under recruit. Deion was a top under recruit. Tobias was a top under recruit. Yeah. You know, Audrey Estime was a top 200 recruit. I mean, these guys were known commodities. Logan Diggs is already broken out. You know, Audrey's already broken out. They had the great one-two punch in the bowl game. So, yep. a lot of those guys, we already know who they are. You know, they were high. It's now it's like, oh, finally, so and so is doing what he was supposed to be doing his whole career. Yep. Okay. I mean, I hope, I hope Nolan Ziegler or Jalen Sneed are those guys on defense too, hopefully, but yeah. we'll see. We'll Absolutely. see. Absolutely. And Josh Burnham. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Question from David Prevo Do you think there will be more of a rotation for some defensive backs this year? There was some due to injury last year, but would love to see guys stay fresh against spread teams or guys already. I don't think the the uh, rotation last year had anything to do with injuries. I mean, they played three cor- four corners all season. Yeah, all season. I mean, they played Cam actually five, but four definite. Ser- I mean, Jaden Mickey'd play, but he didn't always play. But every game that they were healthy, they played Cam Hart, Benjamin Morrison, Clarence Lewis, and Tariq Bracy. Every yep. game. So they played four guys, and on safety, they played a four man rotation all year. Even so, it just who was in that rotation changed when like Brandon Joseph got hurt, but they played, I mean, Houston Griffith played a ton last year. DJ Brown played a ton last year. And then finally, eventually Ramon and and Xavier got more snaps. So, I mean, five guys got a lot of snaps at safety last year because of the injury, but they were a four man rotation. I, I I'll say this, David, maybe we see a little bit more at certain positions. Like I think we could see if chance Tucker can really pop, like I hope he can, Maybe they can spell Benjamin Morrison for a few series a game, a couple series a game, and take some of that wear and tear off him and make keep, like you said, keep him fresh. That's a great idea. But I think that they would ideally like to do that anyway. I think that's the one DB position we didn't see a lot of rotating last year, Ryan, yeah. is because there was nobody else who could really play the boundary like Benjamin could. They tried it early in the year, and every time teams would see Benjamin off the field and Clarence losing the boundary, they'd go right at him. Yep. And he's just not a boundary corner. So they just did it less and less and less as Benjamin got better and better and better. So, but this year, hopefully they can find some that can take 10 to 12 snaps off his legs a game. And so then by the end of the year, you've taken about a hundred snaps off of, off of his plate and he's pretty healthy in, in, in late, late October and November when you start really getting into some big time money game situations. 
I think it's safety. It's a little. It's going to be a little tough right now. I mean, I think that's why we keep talking about like Clarence Lewis or someone like that moving to safety right now because I mean, right now you have Ramon Henderson, Xavier Watson, and DJ Brown. Like that's guys that you're really comfortable with. Beside that, you have two freshmen and one into Don Schuler isn't able to play in spring either, right? So that's going to be a little bit of a limited rotation, in my opinion, unless you get a Clarence Lewis transition to safety or if Ben Miniger or Don Schuler take that step up. But it's just. I mean, right now I see three guys that are definitely going to play at safety. I just don't know if there's a fourth, obviously, in that conversation. Right. It, it may not. Well, Thomas Harper, I think, you almost might have to be that guy, which I think yeah. hurts them at nickel, yep. in my opinion. Uh, we'll see. We'll see how it. We'll see how it turns out. Here's here's Brent Smith is back. Brent says Ryan and Brian, who are the two starting guards versus Navy? I I think for me, I I today. I would say Billy Shrout and Andrew Kristofik at the other guard. That would be my two answers for it. Yep, I'm there. That's where I'm at. I think if I had to pick today, that'd be my two. My sleeper for that would be uh, Michael Carmody if he can put the weight on. If he can get up to 290 and keep it, he'd be the other one. But at 280, I just don't think he can be that guy. Yeah, it's going to be tough, man. It's going to be tough. Question from Jeff Fluke. Do you think Styles, Lorenzo Styles, look looking better? Has anything to do with the trust that the quarterback will make the throw he needs to make compared to last year? I don't think so because early in the year when he was having his struggles, he was catching the ball from Tyler, and they were roommates and good friends, and yeah, you know, supposedly had a rapport. And he caught balls from Tyler as a freshman. I think it was just. I think. I think. I don't know the answer. I wasn't there. I don't know Lorenzo. The way. Reading it from an outsider, I think he put a lot of pressure on himself. Yeah. And when things didn't start going well, he pressed number one and then kind of he then allowed the quarterback stuff to become an excuse yeah. for him, is what I think. But Lorenzo was in his own head, and I don't think his attitude is where it needed to be. And how do I know that? Okay. When I'm watching a guy in the first two, three games of the year, when he's not the number one read jogging off the ball disinterested that's not a guy that's got in the right headspace now part of that is well he knew the ball wasn't coming all right that says a lot that says a lot about you says more about you than the quarterbacks and so that's when i knew lorenzo wasn't in the right headspace if he gets back to that and i think the quarterback play can see here's where the quarterback play can help with that though ryan when you have a guy like tyler with what tyler was in the bowl game or a guy like sam hartman for sure who's proven it at a much greater level I don't care where you are in the read. If you're if you're on the field, run your freaking route because I may throw you the ball, right? So that matters. That matters. And I don't think they always did that in the past. I don't think Ian Book was very good at going past his first couple reads. Drew Pine didn't often have anything past his first two reads. Right. And so guys would just know I'm not getting the ball right here. So I'm just going to jog off the line and not show effort and not occupy the safety because he clearly sees me not trying to run hard. Yeah. If he can fix that, Lorenzo could be a. I mean, we don't talk about him as a, that's a guy we don't talk enough about because I think we just kind of wrote him off after last year. Sure. Lorenzo Styles is still a very talented football player. And if his head's, if he's in the right headspace this year, he could end up being their leading receiver. I mean, it's not out of the question. Right. And that's what makes this receiving course so good. Lorenzo Styles, Lorenzo Styles was on the freaks list last year, Brian. Like, I mean, we forget about that, right? Like, the kid's a very physically gifted player. Yeah. I agree with you, though. I think that I don't think 
I don't think Lorenzo was ready to be that guy last year. I don't think he was ready in his mind. Like, and I just think that he was pressing all year and then he get it. He hit a very low spot mentally during that season. That's what I believe. I think it's very positive though, so far that you're seeing in spring ball that he looks locked in and he looks a lot more confident. That tells me that there might be some resilience, resiliency to that kid, which is a great thing to see. Obviously have to see it in games. Planet Ryan. I'm sorry, buddy. I mean, interrupt. no, no, you're Finish fine. No, I, I was finishing. I was finishing because I was just going to say it's a great sign. Have to see it on on Saturdays, but it's a good sign so far this offseason for sure. He would not be the first kid on the planet to have a bad. There's a reason the expression "sophomore slump" is an is is something we hear about. Hundred percent. You know, because your sophomore slump comes from you did something as a freshman. You're feeling really good about yourself, and for whatever reason, it doesn't happen. And for Lorenzo, it started last spring. You know, it, it all started last spring. So to see him stepping up and playing well this spring, sure, yeah. sure. I mean, yeah. But what, whether it's Tyler or Sam or whatever, I don't care what the reasons are. Don't care. I just want to get fixed. Because if it gets fixed, Lorenzo's a really. Because here's the thing: they have such unique skills. You could start a game with three just physical freak, like size freaks on the field, 6'5", 215, Deion Colsey, 6'4", 205, Tobias Merriweather, and your quote-unquote little guy of Jaden Thomas, who's 6'2", 220 in the slot, with 6'6", 250-pound Mitchell Evans, a tight end, or 6'4", 245-pound Holden Stace, a tight end. Okay, all right, Who? what are you going to do? Then the very next series you come out, and you've got freaking Chris Tyree at slot, and Lorenzo Styles at the field receiver, and all of a sudden it's like, now what do you do? Now, how do you defend this team? And you can throw Caleb Smith into the boundary. Like it's just yeah. Any of the other, I mean, right? But it's that's the thing, Ryan. Is how do you defend that? Like that, honestly, that might be my twelve personnel alignment. Instead of going big with twelve personnel, I'm RPing you to RPOing you to death out of twelve personnel. I'm have Lorenzo Styles and Chris Tyree out there, and we're gonna motion and bubble screen you and RPO you and, and now screen you to death. Cause if you think that you're going to crowd the box, like it was, it was so funny. We were at the pro day yesterday and Sam Hartman, like I think I had him like 21 for 21 when they were out from the field. It's just like throwing these gorgeous deep balls. And Sean looks up, Sean's sitting down, Sean Davis sitting down. And I'm looking up. Sean looks at me like this, please, please put eight in the box next year. You know what I mean? Just like, <laughs> I dare you to put, but that's the whole thing. Like you can't do that next year. So maybe that's how you mix up your receiver rotation. We go 12 personnel, put Chris Tyree and Lorenzo Styles in the game or Lorenzo and Tobias in the game or whatever, you know, where you're, you're going to get a different skill set. We're going to be physical in the box and fast in the perimeter. Yeah. I mean, there's all types of different ways to do it. You just got to get creative with it. But if Lorenzo gets his head on straight, and Chris Tyree takes to this receiver thing. And if Tobias is who I think he is, and if Dion can be more consistent, you get my point? Yeah. We know what Jaden Thomas and Caleb Smith can do. All of a sudden, how do you defend this team? Well, how do you, you defend this team? You, you know what's the most um, – you know what's the mo- the spot that is so – like we're going to talk about this a lot, I'm sure this offseason, but the spot that it, it is the biggest headache potentially for a defense next year guarding Notre Dame is that one snap if I'm a slot defender and I have to see Jaden Thomas, and then the next snap I see Lorenzo Styles, the next snap I see Chris Tyree, and then by the way, Holden Stace might throw go in there in the slot occasionally. It's like man, 
so many different body types and styles on the inside there, especially. Right. It's like it's a headache, man. That's a because if you're going with. just between eleven and twelve, and, and eleven personnel I'm facing Jaden Thomas, and then twelve personnel I'm facing Holden Stace, it's not that big of a difference. Sure, you're going to be running very similar route trees. Both physically, Jayden, guys, right. yeah. same yeah. big physical guy. One guy's a little taller, a little longer, and you know thicker, but it's the same type of game. Yep. Then I come in with this five foot nine, one hundred ninety pound guy that runs a four three, <laughs> yeah. and it's like uh, I can't play you the same way I did last. Series. No, you can't. You know what I mean? And and so now what do I do? And that's Ryan. You know, I've, we, you and I agree on this. I know for a fact. I love diversity of skills on offense. No doubt. It's like Alabama and that game against Notre Dame was able to kind of be physical on the perimeter with Notre Dame's receivers, and they couldn't do the things they'd done all year, just throwing the one-on-ones to, you know, Javon McKinley and Ben Skronik. They had, but they had nothing to counter with, nothing yeah. to counter with. If they took that out, well, oh well, we gave it our best shot. We had a nice run. You know, now it's like, okay, cool. Then we're going to put Lorenzo in there and you motion him a bunch. And now we're going to get you chasing him all day. And yeah. then they're going to come back out in the second half after you've been chasing Lorenzo and Chris Tyree for a couple quarters. And then we're going to come back out with Tobias and Dion and Jaden and say, okay, now, now, now we've had you chasing around all day and you're tired. Now we're going to just come out and beat you up. It's a great problem to have. Yes. This That's why I've been Ryan. This is exactly why I complained for years about they needed to bring in more slot types. But once again, poor recruiting has forced you to move a guy that from another position there to save it, like we have with safety. But I don't care. You're there, right? You know, and that's where I want to be. I just give me different body types, different skill sets. That's what I want to see. That's what I want to see. All right, here we go. From Eric O'Brien, he said, his question is, what is the difference between an official visit and unofficials other than paying for travel? Eric, we've talked about this a bunch in the past. Um, so usually official visits are multi-day to start. You know, usually unofficials are just usually just a one-day kind of off thing. Official visits are usually multi-day stops over a weekend, usually. But the biggest things is that when you're on an unofficial visit, you're touring the campus very generally, right? You're going out and you're seeing the athletic, the athletic, um, you know, all the athletic. Um, I can't speak right now. All the all the athletic buildings and and or, um, stuff that they have there. It's a football related thing. Yes, it's mostly just the stuff related to football. Yeah, those. when you're when you're on an official visit, that's where stuff gets starts getting real from the academic side. So you're touring. That you know, you're touring the academic facilities. You're going into the classrooms. You're going in to talk to um, to the academic advisors. You're going to go tour the dorms and really see what that's like structurally on the inside and all that type of stuff. So, basically, again, just to summarize, unofficial. It's a very athletic department driven. It's usually a one day off type of situation. Official visits, you're getting paid for for the visit. It's usually multi-days, and you can also get more into the academic side of that visit type of structure and then the dorm stuff. So that's some and of the basics. You are starting to see more and more kids go to two-day and three-day visits on unofficials. Like Logan Thomas is doing that. But a lot of times kids will take these like Midwestern trips where they'll go out for like a week and see like five or six different schools. Yeah, Midwest swing, but, baby. Yeah, yeah. It just it just really comes down to the but the the big thing really is honestly, Eric. The only thing that's fundamentally different is the paying for travel and lodging and and all of that is really the primary yeah. difference. It really is. 
and there, you're limited on how many of those you can have. You only yep. take five. Five. Yeah. You can take as many unofficial visits as you want. All right. Here's an interesting one, Ryan, from Ryan Heens. It looks like I think is uh, Heens. As I'm going to give that a shot. Ryan, great first name. Question: Why doesn't Mickey yeah. just start in the slot and we play Harper as more of a in the box safety? Talk about it's Jamie close. Mickey. It's close to being a great name. It's one letter away. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I don't know if number one is we know that Thomas Harper's a really good nickel guy. We've seen him do it. We don't know if Jaden Mickey's that guy. So right. I think number one is why would you recruit Thomas Harper to move him to a position that he has not excelled in in college? That makes no sense to me. Yeah. Like I just think that would be a now it may you may be forced to do that if something happens somewhere else, but to me. You, you recruited Thomas Harper. Why? Based on what he did at Oklahoma State. Well, what did he do at Oklahoma State? He was a slot guy. Yeah. Exactly. And you know he can do it. I don't know that he can be a good safety. I have no clue. So now you have two guys that are in positions they have not proven that they can be effective in. So that's why, to me, I wouldn't do it. Two unknowns. Uh, right, right. Right. So you're I talking about put, a guy that you haven't seen in that safety role as much and a guy that you haven't seen in the slot as much on yeah. the college level, obviously, either. So no. just two unknowns. I'm not saying I wouldn't let Jade Mickey learn at the slot. I would, but I'm not moving him there and then moving someone else away, assuming it's going to work out. Right. You know, I just, I'm not doing that, but yes, I would like to see Jade Mickey get opportunity in the slot. Cause who's going to start there when Thomas Harper leaves. That's a great question. So yeah, work him there, but I'm not working him there and moving someone else away from it. In my opinion, it's just not what I'm going to do. I agree. We had a super chat from Bayside Tiger Six. Thank you so much for the super chat. Glad to have you guys in on a Saturday and able to join live. Since 2000, which Notre Dame players can you think of with more memorable NFL careers than college? David Givens is one for me. Luke Pettigrew to me. Now, I know he's a first-round pick, but he just never seemed like a – like never got him being like a great player in the in college, but he ended up being a pretty darn good NFL player. Ryan Grant was also a better NFL player than he was. A Much better NFL player. Yeah. Yeah. He definitely was. Um, Brock Wright. Brock Wright's one. Brock Wright. But, that, yeah. but that's more so. Yeah, that's correct. But that's more so just because he was buried so much. But that's sure. that factors into it. I mean, that yeah. factors into it. Um, I'm trying to think I mean, of. I mean, because Brock Wright had like less than 100 yards receiving in his career at Notre Dame, right? Something like that. Yeah. Which yeah. is, he had like, like 200 something yards, yards and touchdowns. <laughs> Bowling Green in 2019. Right. Right. So, yeah. But, you know, now he's like you said, and, and you watch him like that one. What was that long catch and run he had late in the year? You're like, this dude is moving. Yeah. The dude ran a four, five, nine at the pro day. <laughs> You know, yes. four six flat at his pro day, so the dude can run. There's no doubt about I, it. I, I think you mentioned one earlier, Brian. I would say Matthias, Matthias Farley had a better NFL yep. career than college. I mean, he was a good college player, but like he was pretty dang good at safety in the NFL for a couple of years. Man. Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to think of some other guys that that would have been in that uh, in that mold, Ryan. You don't I usually mean, well, see it, right? Like you don't usually yeah. see that type of. No one yeah. talked about JJ Jansen when he was at Notre Dame. I don't remember sure. anyone. Guys. What twenty year NFL veteran now? It's a long snapper, like that, right? Yeah. Like it's been around forever, uh, yeah. so that's obviously pretty cool. Um, so it's funny is like the only th- thing I remember people saying about JJ Jansen. Well, he's only at Notre Dame because his dad's a big wealthy donor. And I was like, well, maybe, but all I know is that guy's going to have one of the longest NFL careers of any Notre Dame alum ever. Right. So you can say whatever you want, but that guy has perfected what he did at Notre Dame at the NFL level. And so I'd say that's an impressive one. I'm trying to think of some others, Ryan. I, 
know, there there aren't a whole lot of others. Romeo Aquara, that's another one. Yeah. Romeo had a really nice last year at Notre Dame. The thing that hurt Romeo was he was so young. He was 16 years old as a freshman at Notre Dame. Yeah. Just nuts. But yeah, he he would be one. He'd be another one that I would put in there. It's a good one. Yeah. I can't I can't think of any other ones. That's yeah, it's a good list. I remember Jonah. I remember Jonas Gray had one silly game for the Patriots, the NFL. Yes. It was like 200 yards, but then he and just then never didn't he like show up late for something, and he got just, <laughs> never just like, dude, you had a chance, and then you did something. Oh my gosh, dude! Oh. He looked. I remember I, I picked him up on fantasy after that week, Brian. I'm like, uh oh, here we go, Jonas, and then you never heard yep. from him again, man. Never yep. heard from him again. Yeah, I'm trying. David Givens is a good one. That's definitely really a good, good one. one. Really yeah, good one. I'm trying to think of some others, but uh, yeah, that'd be the primary one. Well, okay, here's one. Uh, I mean, I could kind of cheat a little bit, right? And uh, sure. and, and say uh, Dorsey Levens. Okay. I mean, he 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 played another name, transferred he, Georgia, Tech. Georgia Tech. Yeah, he was okay yeah. at Georgia Tech, but you know, I think he had a he had a uh, pretty memorable Notre Dame or uh, professional career. Won a Super yeah. Bowl with the Packers. He was good with but, Georgia. Yeah, I mean, his first year at Notre Dame, his four years in college, he ran for 132 yards at Notre Dame, 53 yards at Notre Dame, transferred to Georgia Tech, ran for 213 yards at Georgia Tech, set 823 yards in his last year at Georgia Tech, and uh, was a fifth-round draft pick in the NFL and was a starter on the Super Bowl team. Yep. You know, so didn't have a long career because then he had some injuries. Yeah, but for a couple years there, it's pretty good. It was good, you know. Had uh, fourteen hundred yards the year that they won the Super Bowl. Next year, only played half the year because of injuries, and had a thousand yards the next year, and then he was just never healthy again after that. But I'd say pretty memorable. Guy started in two Super Bowls and won one of them. It's pretty good, right? Yes, pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. Yeah. Here we go. Next question is from David Lowe. He said, "Just curious, is NC State going to be any good next year?" Could they that be a trap game? I think it could be. I mean, David, I, don't, I don't think it can be a trap game because of where it's being. Uh, to me, trap game is very clearly defined as a game that has to be, to me, some level of trap, meaning it's like it's surrounded by something else that can distract you from it. Because you have one game between that and Ohio State. Yeah, because right? you, you, you play Tennessee State and Central Michigan around, around NC that. State. Good point. Good point. Now, yeah. could NC State beat Notre Dame? Yes, absolutely. They are capable yeah. of if Notre Dame doesn't play well. They, to your point, Ryan, they should be a good football team. They bring in Robert and I as their offensive coordinator. That should help. Yep. They bringing in Brennan Armstrong should help them because we know he can run Robert and I's offense. And they are pretty deep a quarterback, to be honest with you. I mean, if all those guys stay, they have some pretty good defense. I mean, lose some good players, but bring back some good players. Yep. Yeah, that's a that's a now. Should Notre Dame beat them? Yes, they should. Yep. But if Notre Dame doesn't play well, can NC State beat them? Absolutely, they can. Yeah, they so, saw they saw some dudes on defense, especially yes. man. Like they got a couple guys. I yeah. just don't view that as a trap game. It's fair. Just because the team can beat you doesn't make it a trap game. The trap game to me is like Duke is a trap game. Why they play right after they play Ohio State. So Notre Dame's going to be on some sort of emotional feeling, no matter what. Either they're going to be off this great high of beating Ohio State, or this really rejected. Our season might be over like they did this past year against Marshall. That was a different team that played against Marshall than the one against Ohio State. Right. And, you know, um, that that's a trap game. 
NC State's not a trap game to me. If anything, that's the first big game that you're looking forward to. So that's the way I would look at that one. So, um, yeah, that's why I wouldn't call it a trap game, Ryan. But is NC State going to be good? Yes. Could they beat Notre Dame? Sure, they, they're capable of it. Yeah. Should they beat Notre Dame? No, they shouldn't beat Notre Dame. But they could. They could. So uh, I, I'm going to bring up a stat here in a little bit, Ryan, that, that a question reminded me of that. So let's go yeah. to uh, Gavin Harden while I'm looking this up. His question is, Ryan, is there any buzz around Audrey Gessler or Logan Diggs when it comes to NFL draft circles for next year? Yeah, Gavin, there is. There is. I, I actually have had uh, I've actually had agents ask me about both players in the past. And I I you know I, I don't know how much I'm supposed to disclose in this, but I have had a scout that talked to me a little bit about, you know, just my opinions on Audrey specifically for next year. So I've had agents ask about both. I've had a scout ask my opinion on one already and Obviously, they were both just sophomores this year, so they weren't draft eligible into the 2024 NFL draft cycle. So, yes, there is some buzz. I'll have more information as far as after the spring when scouts are going through and they do the Blesso NFS reports as far as, like, who they're really looking at and maybe more of an early round projection and just kind of feel that way. But, yes, there are, I've had agents ask me about both, and I have had a scout already ask me about Archie guest today. So, yes, they do have some buzz. All right, let's go to this next one here. Question is for, from Zaremba R. Brian, the other day when you and Ryan went conference by conference for teams, you would hypothetically root for you. Did You didn't mention Virginia or Virginia Tech. I know you're a Virginia guy, so any reason for that? Yeah, so I grew up in Ohio. I was actually born in Ohio and lived there till I was about 15. So my love for Virginia didn't come until I was older. And I do it for fun. You know, it's where my family still lives and all that. But I mean, I lived in Ohio longer than I lived in Virginia for my, for my life. So that's partly why. And so when I was a kid, I was growing up in Ohio. So when I was a kid and all these feelings that I had, like, you know, when I was outside shooting and pretending I was Adrian Autry or, or Ramil Robinson, I was in Ohio. I was a kid in Ohio, growing up in Ohio. I wasn't in Virginia. Virginia had some decent basketball teams back then. They had the really good Ralph Sampson team, which was before I was really old enough to really remember. I mean, out Ralph Sampson played against the Celtics and what the 86 finals, right? I was eight, you know, and I remember those fine. So I remember Ralph Sampson more as an NBA player, just like Hakeem Olajuwon. I remember Hakeem Olajuwon as a great player for the Rockets. I don't remember him with the Houston Cougars. So uh, that's why. And so Virginia didn't really have any guys that were like that for me. I just wasn't really a team that attracted. And Virginia Tech was like nothing when I was a kid. Like no, nobody knew anything about Virginia Tech when I was a kid. UVA was the only team that really anybody had any feelings for. Now I did really like Virginia's football team in '88 to like '89 to '90 because I was a big fan of Sean Moore as a quarterback. I really enjoyed. I hated those white helmets with the blue and orange stripes. It was kind of weird looking. I don't like white helmets without some kind of uh, logo on it. So I hate Penn State uniform. They're the, the dullest uniforms like just ever. <laughs> but uh you know it's just my personal opinion but i just saw it just virginia tech was never a thing so when i by the time virginia tech got good at football i was a teenager slash adult you know it was like yeah michael vick was kind of the breakout i was running college when michael vick was a freshman like I, michael vick was a year behind me him and ronald curry were juniors when i was a senior and i've sold this story before right i thought i was a really good high school quarterback until i went and watched ronald curry play in person and i was like <laughs> yeah i'm not that good 
<laughs> he was a freak show, man. He, he was. was a freak show. He was. He didn't play wide receiver in the NFL, man. He would have yeah. been better if he didn't get injured. Like, he's yeah. If, good he, if, it, if he did not go to North Carolina to play, if he would have gone to a football school, he would have had a much different career. I will yeah. take that to my grave, man. There's no doubt. So I wanted to bring something up real quick, Ryan. Here's a here's yeah. a very fascinating thing for you okay. to to look at, right? So right now, Sam Hartman coming into the season has 12,967 career passing yards. Yep. So if Sam Hartman goes out there this year and simply pat, so he ranks right now 19th all time in career passing yards. If he just throws for 3,500 yards, which is just in no case, it's a good season. It's not lights out. It's, it's, it's a good season. It's a, I mean, it's honestly, it's not that much more than what Jack Cohn threw for, and Jack Cohn missed time at Notre Dame. You know, missed half of a game when he got benched, missed other time with an injury. You know, but Jack Cohn in 2021 threw for 3,150 yards. Uh, Ian Book in 2019 threw for 3,040 yards. So let's just, just, let's just do this, actually, Ryan. Let's just say he matches what Jack Cohn did, which I would be disappointed by. Yeah. He matches what Jack Cohn did. Let me pull it up here. I just went away from that page here real quick. If he does, if he does that, which I hate it when you you go to, go away from a page, he would then rank all time in college football as the number four all time leading passer. Number four. If he simply throws thirty touchdowns, just thirty, which is again not that big of a deal, he yeah. would then rank third all time in college football history. If he wow, just man. throws as many as Jack Cone threw of 25, he would rank third all-time in college football history. So it, you're going to see Sam Hartman breaking a lot, passing a lot of people on the all-time passer list. He's He has a chance to end his career as a top-five all-time passer in college football history, yards and touchdowns. Now, again, the COVID year helps, but – it's going to be a fun year for that kind of stuff, man. It just, and that somebody had made a comment about that. that somebody made a comment about Hartman that made me think of that. Gotcha. Um, here's another thing. Anthony Kulik says, I would argue that Harrison Smith's career was better in the NFL than at Notre Dame. I would somewhat agree with that, but I don't think, here's the thing. I think his perception of how good he is, is better in the NFL. I thought Harrison Smith was an incredibly underrated player for Notre Dame his last two years. Man. In 2010 and 2011, Harrison Smith was an excellent player. Notre Dame fan, here's what y'all here's what y'all got to remember about yourselves, and and I'm and I'm the same way to a degree, but we have two fans in general. We don't forgive, and we don't forget. And we watched Harrison Smith stink as basically a rover in that the, the way that they used it, which was just it was a lot of, it was a linebacker, and he was not a natural player there, and he did not play well. And that's what a lot of Notre Dame fans just always remember about him. And so when he moved to safety in 2010 and 2011, people had already have already cemented their opinion of him. And they weren't going to change no matter the fact he had seven interceptions in 2010, including a game-winning interception against USC, three picks against Miami. And so no matter what he did, people just were not going to change their opinion of Harrison Smith. Just weren't going to do it. I loved Harrison Smith. Man. He was so good in 2010 and 2011. Yes. So good. He was an excellent player those two years. And so I I think he he was – I'm not shocked that Harrison Smith's having the career that he had. 
I think the perception is what changed. I don't think Harrison had necessarily a better career. I mean, Harrison Smith, his last two years, in 2010, Ryan, he had 91 tackles, seven interceptions, seven pass breakups. In 2011, he had 90 tackles, no interceptions, but he had three three tackles for loss and 10 pass breakups. And part of the reason you have any interceptions in 2011 is nobody threw at him really that much <laughs> because of how they watched what he did against Utah. I mean, the pick he had against Utah, go back and watch the I was at that game and he was in a, he was chasing a drag. And when the ball was thrown, like here's the receiver coming on the drag balls that way. Harrison's over top this way. And as soon as the ball, like Harrison baited the quarterback, he was in trail position. And as soon as the ball left the quarterback's hands, he went whoop, stepped right in front and picked it. It was one of the most freaky athletic plays I've ever seen. Yep. And, you know, one of his picks, a couple of his picks against Miami were good. The other was just like quarterback just was so awful. But he was a stud at Notre Dame. He, he was. was a stud. So once he moved to safety, he was a stud. Yep. I just don't think the perception was that he wasn't – he wasn't perceived to be a stud at Notre Dame for a number of reasons. His including the years, fact man. That, right. Including the fact that he just didn't look good as a linebacker, you know? So I think that's part of it as well. So yeah, that's yeah. A, a, a good comment, but he has had a very good NFL career. Harrison Smith played like an all American his last two years in Notre Dame. He just got no all American love at all because yeah. the perception wasn't there for him. Agreed. And they, yeah. So how, uh, how, you can, how you can have 90 plus tackles and seven interceptions in a season and not make a, a all American list is just beyond. In me. fairness, three of those picks came in the bowl game against sure. Miami. So the all American list had already been kind of decided, but still like 90 tackles and four interceptions and seven pass breakups for a safety. is pretty good. 90 <laughs> tackles and 10 pass breakups like he had in 2011. is pretty flipping good. And three tackles for and, loss. Pretty good. And he should and he should have had some notoriety following that 2010 season as well, too, right? Where it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah probably because we know a lot of those lists yeah. are very uh reputation driven, you know what I mean? So yep. yep. So uh yeah, yeah, it uh <laughs> yeah, Harrison Smith was a dude, so I'm just gonna leave it at that one. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, let's get to Mark Stewart. Here we go. Mark's question, how important do you think it is that Notre Dame starts to have high draft picks consistently to help recruiting? Very important. Uh, yeah. Fair. I mean, why does Notre Dame recruit tight end and offensive line the way that they do right now? It's not because they know that Harry Easton's a great coach. How do they know that Harry Easton's a great coach? Because he – Puts guys in the NFL on the high level. That's that's yes. how kids perceive a guy being a great coach. Yep. Right. I mean, fair. I mean, not every coach that produces big time recruits is necessarily a great coach. He just re- is really good at recruiting really, really good players. And, you know, they have a lot of God given ability, but it's, man, NFL, Notre Dame starting tight end has been an NFL draft pick going back to like since 1998. The guy that starts yeah. the season as a starter 
gets drafted when his career's over, going all the way back to I think I think Jabari Holloway, the year before Jabari Holloway might have been the last time that was. I think Gary Godsey might have been the last guy that that happened with, or something I, like. That. I mean, it's just been I, a long I, time. I I love that left tackle stat at Notre Dame, Brian. It was like since Zach Martin took over as a left tackle for Notre Dame, all the way up until Liam Eikenberg, they were all first round picks. You know, yeah. within that time frame, it was just like yeah. that's pretty good, man. It's not yeah. bad, you know. Like, and that streak is still alive because technically. Blake Fisher started the 2021 season at left tackle. Well, Liam Liam went in the second round though, so it ended. There. Well, I thought he said yeah. first first or second round pick. Well, I mean, yeah, if you stretch it to two rounds, and that's yeah. definitely intact. But every sure. single guy, you're, you, the one you're talking about, the first round picks, yes. Yeah, that was like what yeah. three guys? Yeah, it was my, Zach my and then Ronnie. Is, they, and, yeah. Every single one's been a high draft pick, very high. Liam was like what 42? He was 10 spots out of the first round. First or second round pick, Blake will probably continue that. And then, of course, Joe will continue that. And then, yes. I mean, that's – but that's why. And why are they struggling to recruit some other positions? Okay. I mean, when was the last time they put well. a quarterback in the first round of the NFL draft? Literally, right. Ryan, you were a, a like, what, freshman in high school? 06? 07 uh, draft? Yeah, 06. I was a freshman, yep. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's been a minute. Yeah. It's been a minute. Here's a I'm gonna I'm gonna read this Ryan. Okay. It's a four part question from Edward Cheatham. Okay. This reminds me I had a friend in high school named Cam Watley, uh-huh. and he would always bring up these really ridiculous. <laughs> would you rather this or this scenario? hypotheticals? Yeah, and it's yeah. like neither, dude. What are you nuts? <laughs> but so Edward has a really interesting one that reminds me of that, and so he says, okay. okay, hypothetical for the whole IB staff, and so for today, Ryan, it's gonna be me and you. Okay. You have two head football coach job offers to start a school's program from scratch. Offer okay. one, Styers University, which is a team full of football geniuses. We're talking nerds of the sport, but they all show a staggering lack of athleticism. <laughs> okay. Offer two, Dario Tech, which is full of dudes. We're talking athletes, but they're all fencers, swimmers, et cetera, and have a disturbingly low football acumen. No field awareness whatsoever. You have two seasons to win 50% of your games or you're fired. Assuming you can't recruit your way out of either situation, which do you take? So do you take the guys that have the great football minds but can't run or the guys that can't think their way out of a wet paper bag but can really, really run? I I love the question, Edward. It's very creative. Yes. I would, I would one choose of the greatest to- questions we've ever had. I, I don't. I don't I think know it's. My answer. Oh, it's an easy one for me. I'm picking the Dario Tech because in college football, if you got dudes, man, you can still win some football games. Like that's just all it comes the down thing to. That, yeah. that got me on it, Ryan, is you have to win fifty percent of your games. Yes, I can win fifty percent of my games with a bunch of of freaky athletes. Because he put dudes in all caps, right? Yeah. Now I'll never win a championship that way. Yeah. But here's the reality. If I have a bunch of unathletic, really smart kids, I'm still going to stink. I just am, because you're you you just are. Now you're you're you know you know who you know who this and you know who this is you know who Dario Tech was. It was Notre Dame in 2008 2009. Poorly coached team, not a lot of great football acumen. They were still over 500 game over 500. Why? Because they had dudes. They could just out athlete certain people. Yeah. You know, I mean, just simple as that. And the reality is, is if if I'm starting from scratch and I've got a bunch of guys that, that aren't athletic, I mean, 
imagine if Harvard had to play in the SEC. Right, right, right. Yeah, go on twelve. Yeah. Right. So, uh, yeah, I, I'd go with the Dario Tech. That's a Ryan. That was one of my favorite. I've been like, that's a real. I was curious where you were going to go with that. I actually uh, kind of thought we were going to go with the other the other direction. Why? Because I wear glasses. Because I'm a nerd. Yeah. Just yeah. kidding. <laughs> well, actually, yeah, I almost me, I, Ryan, I discriminate I, against people to wear glasses. I, I was trying to pick the other one just because I wanted to pick Styers instead of Dario, but that's a yeah. different conversation for that's a different mean. day. <laughs> You've kicked Vince enough today. He's not in the chat anymore, I don't think. So he's good. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. All right, let's get to some more as we wrap these things up. Here's one from D Hawk. T-Hawks question, do you guys believe Tyler Buckner will be the clear leader for quarterback one in 2024? I think many fans are overlooking his talent just because of no, what Notre Dame has coming in with Kenny Minchie and C.J. Carr. Yes, I do think he'd be the clear leader in 2024 as of right yeah. now. Do mm-hmm. I think it's a 100% guarantee? No, probably not because those other two good guys are really good. But I, I think Tyler Buckner is extremely gifted. I do. I just think he missed a lot of very important development time. I was talking with somebody about this earlier today. Somebody texted me when when they saw my tweet about how Tyler looked today. I was like, you know, like people don't realize how talented Tyler is. He's really yeah. talented. Yeah, he had a couple bad games last year, but he's really talented. And um, yeah, he's going to be hard to beat out. He's he's not going to be easy for Sam Hartman to beat out, but I fully expect him to do it because Sam Hartman's very good. But. Tyler Buckner, if he, if, if Tyler, here's the thing. The only person that's going to stop Tyler from being a really good college quarterback is Tyler. That's it. And I mean that twofold. One is injury, which he can't really control or B, he just, he makes decisions that are unwise has, doesn't have the right attitude or whatever. And that's true for all kids. You all, y'all look, man, adversity teaches us so much more than success. In my opinion, I fully believe that. And adversity defines our character so much more than success. It's easy. You ever like see a kid growing up that's just like, you know, playing ball and he's just like football and everybody else. And he just talks a lot of trash and he's in, and then he plays that one guy that's his size and he gets beat and he just handles it awful. Starts throwing the ball, crying. Like, you know, you thought you were hot stuff until, you know, somebody, you know, puts you in your place and now you can't handle it. To me, it's it's. I want the guy that's out there on the court and he loses two or three games. He doesn't like it, so he goes home and says, "I'm going to work my butt off and may and and do whatever I need to do to make sure I never lose again." That's the guy that I want. I don't want the guy that oh things didn't work out for me my freshman year, so I'm going to pout and go home and take my ball and go somewhere else to some other coach who's promising me something. All right, cool man. I wasn't going to win with you anyway. I, I really wasn't. So if Tyler has the right attitude and can stay healthy, he's got a chance to be a great quarterback in college, in my opinion. He does. Yep. I don't know if it'll be 2023, but I definitely will be 2024. And as much as I love Kenny mentioning CJ Carr, I just don't see them beating him out in 24. I just don't. Yep. It'll be tough. But because Tyler if he will gets be hurt, four years in yeah, life. if he yeah. gets hurt and has to miss a significant period of time, he won't get his job back. Sure. That that's the thing. But that's I a agree. great place to be as a football program. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, as as long as he can stay healthy going into twenty twenty four, if he kind of buys into everything, he'll be a fourth year player. He'll be in two years under Jared Parker's system. He'll be obviously a second year now going into working with Gino Gadulli as his quarterback coach, 
a lot of good, obviously, there from a baseline perspective. So it's up to Tyler, man. He's still got a lot in front of him. Like, it's not 2023 or bust for Tyler Buckner. He still has a lot of opportunities in the future. It's just about buying in right now for me. Yep, absolutely. Just got to be careful you don't get Wally pipped. And that's true. Yes. That's true for a lot of guys. You know, yep. it's true for a lot of guys. All right, here we go, Ryan. From Andrew Van, is there any chance we see Blake Fisher get work at guard? I still believe he could be an elite guard. I don't think so. I mean, yeah, I don't think so. You know, Tosh should have to be really good to force that move. And I just, yeah, I, I, well, I, I, I agree with you though, Andrew. I agree that he could be an elite guard. I, I really do. I just don't think that's what he's going to want to do. I don't yeah. think Blake is going to want to make that move. I don't think Notre Dame is going to make that. And they're not even willing to move Clarence Lewis to safety. That's the biggest no-brainer position move on the planet. And they're not willing to do that. I don't think they'd be willing to move Blake Fisher away from and, tackle. And Blake came in at 310 this spring, right? So, like, obviously he's reshaping his body to be a better offensive tackle, right? Like, that's kind of where we are. Space, so. yeah. Exactly. So, I, I I think that that ship has kind of sailed. I would have loved to see it. I mean, I was on that that yeah. wavelength last year of, like, oh, if Tosh Baker could be a guy and then you move him inside a guard. Like, mm-hmm. But at this point, I just think he's going to be the right tackle at Notre Dame this year. And then after that, I wouldn't be shocked if Joe Walt leaves and he stays if he's the left tackle at Notre yep. Dame. Like, that's just like kind of what I did when – Stanley left and and Eichenberg actually did that too because Liam played a lot of right tackle early in his career, you know. Yep. And uh so yeah, um, Ronnie Stanley did that too. Remember, he started at right tackle in 2013. People forget that Zach Martin and Ronnie Stanley started together for a season. Wild, so people forget man. that. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah. Yep. Ronnie Stanley, Mike McGlinchey, and Quentin Nelson were all in the same Notre Dame offensive line in college. It's ridiculous. Here we go. Peter Degon, 55. And Peter Degon says, interested to know what you think about linebacker position this year. I think it'll be Prince Kali, J.D. Bertrand, and Jack Kaiser as the starters. It's possible. I just – I don't know. I, I haven't seen Prince take a jump yet, and that's my thing. I just haven't yeah. seen him take a jump yet. And he's really a lot shorter and smaller than I anticipated. So Yeah, I, I – I think that you have two out of three for me, Peter Degon. I think that it's going to be at least to start of the season. I think it's going to be Bertrand Kaiser and probably be Maris at will, and then hopefully I Nolan hope kind of unseats him at some point. Like that's yeah. just kind of how I see it. But yeah, I hope it's. I hope. I hope it's. I'd be okay with Kaiser moving to Will and Jalen Sneed starting at Rover or Ziegler at Will and yeah. Kaiser slash like uh, yeah Kaiser slash Sneed at Rover. I'd be very comfortable with that. Last couple questions here, Ryan. Here's one from Mark Avalone. Mark says, do you think some teams overuse helmets, uh, stickers, a.k.a. Ohio State? Seems like by midseason, half of the team has helmets full. I'm old school. I love helmet stickers. I love it too, man. Now, I I think you can't be obnoxious with it, like, you know, where every little thing, you know, like, oh, you went to class, you get a helmet sticker. No, it's got to be about football achievement. I'm sorry. It just, it does. I think also all the stickers should be uniform as well. Right, you don't have like eight different stickers. I'm a big fan. To me, uh, like with what Florida State used to do with the tomahawks, with what Ohio State does with the Buckeyes, I love that stuff. I think that's great because that's just kind of how when I was a kid. That's just what I mean. That's what football did. You had, I mean, helmet stickers was a big thing when I was growing up. It's not as much anymore, but yeah, I, I think that's a really cool thing. We used I, to I, have. We used to have uh, we were the uh, my high school team was the Wildcats, Brian. So we used to get the helmet stickers with like little paw paws on them. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I remember we had this one stud defensive end. He was a year older than me. He hated them, though, so he would give them away to our one starting corner that was not good at all, and he would just, like, have so many. It's like everyone thought he was a stud. When the game started, they're like, oh, he's not actually a stud. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. No, he's man. not. Um, he's not. Yeah, I, I do. Now, here's the only thing I, I would be my caveat is you have to have some – uniformity to how they're applied like i don't want guys like put like the no, a number or a logo something like some, like using the stickers to create some sort of thing like you yeah. know fill up the line fill up the line fill, you know what i mean like or go across go across you know there's got to be some uniformity i don't want i don't like stickers when like you get those kids that will like make like little symbols out of their stickers i don't like that you know like have some uniformity hey it goes across the bottom and then works its way up or starts you know works from here and works its way back whatever i don't care but those are, I like, I like the, I think that's cool that Ohio State does that. Do, they still okay. do that, right? Yeah, I think they, they still, still do that. Do. Right? That's what yeah. I thought. Yeah, I um, so. You know, I think that's really cool. I, oh. I'm, I think they should definitely. I'm not, I'm not getting visions of uh, AJ Hawk. I remember his was all full constantly, man. Like, yeah, yeah. He was a good yes. player, man. <laughs> yes, he was. He was. I'm trying to, I'm actually going to pull up the uh, whole game really quick because now that I think about it, I don't, I don't remember. I don't remember um, the the Georgia game. I'm trying to go look and see, um, look at some things from that game. Yeah, okay. CJ Stroud, they had helmet stickers. I just like I don't remember CJ Stroud like having helmet stickers in that game for some crazy reason. So, yeah, they, they can't to... get rid of that man. That's that is one of the cool things. Ohio I could State be completely does. wrong. It's like I literally don't remember it. I'm not saying it didn't yeah. happen. I'm just saying like I don't remember it. So I'm gonna go pull this up here real quick. Oh man, we haven't seen Archer all show, Brian. The minute you start talking about Ohio State, he's yeah. in the chat. Oh, he's now. in there. Stop he's Archer. in there. Yeah, of course he is. Of course he is. Of course he is. As soon as we say something like that, he's all up in there. I'm looking at some other players uh in that as well, Ryan. And yeah, they they had helmet stickers on there. I'm trying to find one with CJ with his helmet on. But there we go. Yeah, he had helmet stickers all over. I guess he had so many on there, it just looked like his helmet was one looked color. Natural. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, he had so Seriously. many on there. Like, how does a guy that throws as many touchdowns as he have have room for all those stickers? Seriously. So that's the other thing, too, man. But, yeah, like, that's something Penn State missed out on to me. Penn State helmets would look a lot cooler if they had, like, little blue, like, Nittany Lion logos or paws. But I like like, the little Penn – because I think the the Penn State logo is really conducive to a sticker. You know, just, like, you know, just put them bad boys on there. That would be really cool. Yeah, that would be really cool. Yep, that'd be I, I I like those. I think team that who else who else does that in college football? You said Florida State. State um, Florida State still does it, I believe. I believe so, who, yeah. Who, I'm gonna type who let me see this. College football. Who does helmet stickers? Let me see this. College football. Let's see here. This is Google is a cool thing sometimes. Who does <laughs> helmet stickers? See if there's still teams that uh I can't think of anybody else aside from those teams. Yeah. So let's see here. Um, looks like they say Clemson does it. Clemson does it really? Yeah, they uh, do a paw print. Huh? Um, Eastern Michigan, Florida International, Florida State, Louisiana Lafayette, Michigan Wolverines. I knew Michigan did. That's right. North Carolina, Northern Illinois, Ohio State, Pitt, Stanford. UNLV and UTEP. I don't remember Stanford guys doing it. 
Yeah. So yeah, it's interesting. So see, I don't what, even notice what, it. Sometimes. What would Stanford even use? Would it, be a, uh, it was an axe. An axe. Oh, okay. an axe blade, which is kind of awful. And and if you really think about it, that's kind of morbid. Yes. Your mascot's a tree, yes. and your reward stickers are chop it down. Axe blade. What the <laughs> heck kind of crap is that? I you know, no like, what are you guys doing here? So, yeah, that's a little weird. A little bit. I'm not going to lie to you. That's a little weird. That's really, really weird. But, hey. Explain, explains explains yeah. the downfall of Stanford. Stanford right guys have helmets. I see it now. They have, they have yeah. They're Stanford guys with, with stickers on their helmets. Hmm. Yeah. Never noticed that. Notre Dame lost that game because Ed, because Ed Orgeron was at it. That's why they lost that game. He was at that game. You remember that? Yeah. Was, oh, is he gonna be on is he gonna be on the staff? Is he gonna be the defensive line coach? Yeah. Nope, 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 nope. <laughs> All right, last uh last one here, Ryan. I, I wanted to okay. save the best one for last. Here we go. It's from David Lowe. David Lowe says, Do y'all think ESPN's comparison of Braylon James to Golden Tate is accurate? <laughs> so, first of all, David, are you are you still here? Where did they write this? If yeah, I need I need here, I need an article link. Where did they this, write man? this? Because I have to know the answer to this that question might, because that, that might be the worst comparison I've ever seen in my life. It's That's in the really conversation. Really it is. Really it's one, in the man. conversation for one of the worst, Ryan. That is. So just... we're, we're talking about a six, three outside receiver with legit deep speed, little bit of a, a lanky build, right? Compared it to a inside out physical after the catch five eleven wide receiver, like golden Tate, who was a running back in high school. Right. That's that's what we're comparing right now. That's that's what we're doing. Yeah, that was the dumbest thing I've heard in a long time. But I, yeah. I got to know where they said that. I have yeah. to know where they said that because I like it's not that I don't believe you, but it's like I just find that shocking. Oh, oh I believe him. It's just because it's ESPN. I believe him one hundred percent. But it's yeah, it's bad. That's just a terrible, terrible. I would really like to know where they wrote that. Really would like to know that. They don't have the same body type. They're not the same play style. Like there's just nothing that is reminiscent of one yeah. another at all. I'd really like to know the answer to that because that just seems ridiculously stupid. Yes, in my opinion, it really does. It really. Yeah, somebody said Georgia does it too. Yeah, Georgia does it. They do those white little bones on there. So, I've yeah. got about the bones. Good yeah, call. they I've do that. The That's another good yeah. one. Jonathan Fink had that one. Yeah, Georgia. Nice. Georgia does that. That's a good one. That's a really good one. Yeah, that's a terrible comparison. Awful. I mean, like you said, 5'10", built like a running back, thick legs. Yak guy. Great <laughs> after the catch. Yeah. Could stretch the field. Sure, that's the only thing they have in common. They could stretch the field. But if you want to but compare Even, even to a, that, they stretch completely differently. Like, yeah. they're not the same type of stretching. <laughs> okay. Uh, some Ebenezer Gatsby said that ESPN compared him to Will Fuller, not Golden Tate. Now, that I could buy. I don't Still think he's as better. explosive yeah. as Will. But very similar game to Will. You know what I mean? Vertical guy down the Vertical field, advantage. using your speed over top. Yep. That I could do. So, Ebenezer, if that was actually what they did, then I could buy that. That's why I said, Ryan, I just have a hard time that they're that stupid. Yes. Like, <laughs> like that's a terrible comparison, Golden Tate. Yep. Will Fuller, different, a little different body type. Braylon's a little taller, a, little, a lot thicker. Right. But – Style of play wise, yeah, Wolf Fuller was a downfield vertical weapon that could do some stuff after the catch using his speed, and that's what Braylon was in high school. So that I could buy, that yep. I could buy. 
Braylon was a little faster than Will coming out of high school, but Will took a big jump when he got to college. If, if I'll tell you this, if Braylon James makes a similar jump in speed that Will Fuller made, we're going to have a lot of fun. He's, he's going to be running a 4-2 soon, man. That's, <laughs> right. that's absolutely right. So that's a lot more believable yeah. and a lot more fair. Uh, that one I could buy, Ryan. That one I could buy. So – yeah, yeah, a little yeah. better. Still not great, but a little better for sure. Well, what, for what, sure. what, what's not? I'm just curious. I'm not arguing. I'm just curious. What's not great it's, about it? it? It's just the height attributes, the length mm-hmm. attributes. Like I just, I just think that Braylon's going to win down the field a little differently than what Will Fuller was yeah. winning. That's just it. Yeah, possibly slight yeah. difference, but it's similar. It's yeah. similar. So yeah, I think. But I think uh, if you're talking Notre Dame players, I think the guy that would probably compare the best body type. He's a little bigger version of Chris Brown, and probably the closest Notre Dame guy to him, in my opinion, because he's a little thicker than Chris was, taller than Chris was, but both raw, vertical guys coming out. Will was on a different gear, man. I mean, in college, Will was at a completely, completely different gear than what Braylon played at. Chris Brown is much more similar to what Will, what Braylon James could be. Uh, a style of play. So I just think Braylon's a little bit more of a natural football player uh, than Chris. Chris was a track guy, you know, uh, but yeah, that's what I would say. And I think Braylon's a lot. Here's the, here's the big difference. And this is going to matter. Braylon is a lot stronger than Chris Brown was coming out of high school, but game wise, Ryan, similar way you could use him in a game. Will Fuller just had a different gear and just anybody in my opinion. But they both, one thing I have in common, they both have inconsistent hands. Like Chris had, or uh, Will had a little inconsistent hands and Braylon has had a little bit of that at times as well. So just got to get a little bit more comfortable snatching the ball with ease. So yeah, that's a good one. Hey folks, that's going to do it for us today. Hit that like button, everybody. Please do us that favor. Hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell. These things help us out. So why do we ask you to do that? Because those things help. uh, I don't, can't explain it to you from the standpoint of how the algorithm works, I just know that the algorithm says that that's the way it works. The more engagement we have, the more likes we have, the more shares we have, the more comments we have. It just, it lets people know this is a channel that people need to watch. And so people that are looking to get Notre Dame content uh, or that way, it's also why we ask you to do five-star reviews on the podcast, because if we're getting five-star reviews and the more five-star reviews we get, the more that people see, Hey, this is a channel that needs to be promoted more. And it helps us continue to grow that way. So, you know, people are always say, Hey, look, we, I want to support you financially. Best way to do that. Sign up for the message board at boards.irishbreakdown.com. If you want to support us financially, but you're not in a place right now. And I get it. Times are tough uh, for some people and you still want to support us. Those are the things you can do. Read all of our articles. So sign up for the mail, the, 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 um, the, the daily, uh, <laughs> We have a mailer that goes out every day. A newsletter. A newsletter, newsletter. A newsletter that goes out every day. Uh, I kept wanting to say mailer light, but that's the name of the thing that I use. So I kept wanting to say we have a mailer light that goes out, but that's the thing that we use. Um, but uh, we send a daily newsletter out, gets all of our free content. So read all of our free stories. That helps us make money. Hitting like on the show, sharing the podcast, giving us a five-star review. Those are all ways you can help Irish Breakdown. If, you, if you're a member of our site, Notre Dame fan or, fan or not, and hey, look, you can join the message board if you're not a Notre Dame fan, if you're willing to talk ball and not get into you know insults and things. If you want to talk ball, 
come on in. Frank McCatry, Archer, come on over. Just know that, you know, we're Notre Dame board, so we're going to want to talk about Notre Dame. But, you know, as long as you're there respectful, most 95% of the people will treat you with great respect, just like they do in this chat. So you can come on over too. And uh, we'd love to have you. So those are the different things you can do. So, hey, we're going to be back Monday. Ryan, you and Sean will be back. You guys are going to review this week, all this weekend's visitors. So from now until Monday, Ryan is going to be doing nothing but eating, sleeping, and talking to recruits about how things are going this weekend. And, uh, okay, maybe a couple of things. You do have a one-year-old, so, you know, you have to do some of that parenting thing. But other than that, he's going to be talking to recruits. Uh, So at 2 o'clock on Monday, Ryan and Sean Davis will get together and talk about this weekend's recruiting opportunities. We just got a text from Sean about Justin Scott, so we'll read that here when the show is over. And uh, so they'll be back on Monday. Then, of course, Ryan will be back on Tuesday. So y'all have a phenomenal rest of your week. I hope to see you guys on the message boards uh, talking about the practice report that's up today and some of the other stuff that we'll have up there. Thanks, everybody. Have an awesome day, and we'll talk to you again soon on the Irish Breakdown Podcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.